Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Vanquisher's Guide. I'm your host, Bryce. I'm Bradley. And I'm Randy. And man, what a week. What That's a week. all I can say. What a week. It's a thing that has existed. And will continue to exist. Most if we're likely. lucky. Yeah. But... Um, you know, I just realized. What's that? So, like, I'm going to brag on us for a second. Do it. So, you just know, like, how Mondays are usually, like, like memeably, like, a bad day? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, I actually really look forward to Mondays. Oh, I dread them every day. Every day I'm like, <laughs> oh, Monday. <laughs> The worst day of the week and the podcast. And as soon as it hits like 12 a.m. Like mm-hmm. Monday night, you're like, dude, Mondays. <laughs> Heavy Garfield energy. Around. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Mondays are great. Yeah. Mondays are pretty fun. Mondays are recording day. Yeah, not Tuesday. Screw Tuesdays. Yeah. Tuesdays are now just the new Mondays. Because yeah. when it's Tuesday, we have to wait a whole another week before we get uh, to listen to our voices again. <laughs> and that's the highlight of my week, hearing my voice. Oh, man. But as for the awesome creature that we have for you guys today, it on me. this week, how do you guys feel about basilisks? Um, Harry, Potter, Harry Potter wasn't a big fan, so I would say I'm a big fan. Just because of that. I thought he loved the basilisk. It was like his favorite, man. I I vastly misunderstood that movie then. He even kept a journal from that experience. (laughs) It wasn't his his journal, but he kept one. Yeah, and he thought fondly of its rotting skeleton in the school's basement. Just like seeping into their water supply. It was great. He even went back to get a memento of the occasion in the form of a tooth. Just (laughs) because he was like, oh man, I want to remember this. (laughs) yeah but we will get to harry potter because of course who could forget that legendary rendition of the basilisk oh yeah i try every day but i can't quite (laughs) as i was studying the basilisk and doing some research i found out that actually this thing this creature has like three kind of distinct like very uh unique renditions of it and they're all pretty different and they're all called basilisks which kind of pisses me off honestly (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like super interesting and we'll get like more into that but uh to start out the basilisk is a rare and legendary reptilian creature reputed to be a serpent king and if you ever wondered why it called uh, the serpent king it's not actually called the king of serpents it is a serpent king i believe that is an important distinction a, a because there's only one of made. them or um like, no the king or just like yo what up i'm you, serpent yeah like, <laughs> you say that it's an important distinction what is the distinction i would yeah. i wonder <laughs> okay uh, i'm confused the, the distinction is is that it gets its name of the serpent king from in all of its renditions it has like a crested plume Ah. or like structure on its head almost kind of like a rooster you can think of or in some renditions it's just like these like super metal spikes that so like coming off in of the head. same sense that the king cobra isn't the king of like cobras right. yeah, yeah it's okay. just like it's kind of got like a regal sort of appearance in a particular gotcha. way that makes sense i often call chickens the king of birds or the, the bird king, king. birds the bird king so that Man, makes you sense. working for kfc it. recently <laughs> yeah you know chicken it's the the best bird in the world oh man it's the king of poultry dude Oof, so good but, um uh there are several different renditions of this lethal basilisk some describe it as like a many-legged and spined large lizard creature it can have like uh, a lot of renditions have it having like eight legs. Some wow. have it having six. Um, and That's a lot of legs. yeah, it is. Got to get moving fast, man. <laughs> but uh, a lot of these uh, same renditions also have like a beak on them, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I think one of the other most prevalent renditions of the basilisk that we see throughout the history, and this is the one that kind of 
pisses me off is actually it's basically the same as the cockatrice. Like uh, you can think of the basilisk and the cockatrice being the same creature, even though they you would think that they would look very different. They're actually referred to the same thing, and whether that's due to like a mistranslation of the Bible somewhere along the lines, it's like this whole story, mm-hmm. um, or whether that's just because like over the time the creature evolved due to the myths surrounding it. I still think it's kind of annoying that like these two distinct creatures aren't really distinct from each other. They're just the Actually, same. Very much like, I mean, like very distinguishable, like at least where we are now. But I guess yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the whole thing about history, though, because like, I mean, just think about we did. Uh, that's the thing about history. It's all mer, mer people, but also like sirens. sirens. They are very much different, mm-hmm. but like. Mm-hmm. In history, they were like the same thing, and sometimes they were birds, sometimes they were fish people, sometimes they were full human, and so like, but they're all called sirens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just, irritating. Honestly, come on, history, just be consistent. I'm yeah, right make up your you. mind. I'm right there. With you, that is annoying. To give a, a brief little description of the cockatrice for people that don't know, uh, they basically have the head of a cock or a rooster the eyes of a toad, a crest-like crown, uh, warty, scaly skin, and a curved tail. So they're kind of like this uh, reptilian-snake-rooster hybrid, which is... This is the king of the chickens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy, though, because, like, to think that, uh, at least in ancient times, one of the most, like, lethal legends of creatures is just this weird, like, (laughs) rooster-hybrid monstrosity. Over we'll also there. like look at look at that bottom left picture that you put with the like rat next to it. So it's, it's like a weasel. <laughs> oh, weasel. Yeah, a weasel. How dare you? That's a weasel. <laughs> I don't know what a weasel looks like. It's an important distinction, Brad. Get it right. Uh-huh. Yeah, looks the same to me. <laughs> but they're both rodents, so at least there's yeah. that classification. Yeah, I always think it's interesting. We've gone like we've talked about this several times in like many of our episodes, but like how the stories of creatures from like like years ago whenever they say like it's a giant creature their version of giant back in the day was much smaller than our version of giant like right. as time has gotten like progressed our like idea of what a giant creature is has grown massively now giant creature is like godzilla bigger than a skyscraper whereas mm-hmm. back in the day it was like yo this thing is like almost human sized crazy <laughs> well i guess it's all relative right if you exactly. saw a chicken that was the size of a human that's giant but that's freaky if you see an elephant the size of a human it's tiny man oh. little baby elephant yeah that's true and i guess they're just like comparing it's like the largest thing that they have at the time like mm-hmm. what's the biggest thing they're used to and so they're like ah giant x whatever it is must be about the size of the biggest thing that we already have and so for us I mean, modern yeah, day I mean, it's like, like the size of a building, whereas then it was like the size longer of... than a horse. Yeah, <laughs> longer than a horse because that's the yeah. biggest thing we have is a horse. Yeah, shout out to our Tarask episode. Yeah. Um, but the final rendition just being the one that I think was like mostly just popularized with like Harry Potter, and that's just mm-hmm. it's simply a massive and deadly snake with snake. Uh, similar features, and so like all of these renditions have the couple like mainly just two distinguishing characteristics first being that uh crest or plume that we talked about uh-huh. it's also uh sometimes compared to a mitre which is like the religious hat that it's like cardinals wear right? oh, okay it's like the or the pope maybe i forget like like the weird triangular kind of looking hat you know, the thing that makes spirit hearts more common in Isaac, right? Oh, yeah. They're very <laughs> That thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this crest can also lead down its back and kind of can continue like that row of spines or even the crest. Um, and uh, another like really distinguishable feature about these is their lethal gaze. You know, they're mm-hmm. said to be able to kill you with simply a glare and that's pretty consistent throughout all the stories my mom's pretty close to that sometimes so (laughs) are you in danger man 
blink once. Sometimes she glares at me and I'm like, I might be dead. I'm pretty close. Oh, man. I feel that. But uh, <laughs> they also have like this awful ability, somewhat similar to the Tarrasque as well, and that they can lay waste to fire entire fields with just their putrid breath. Wow. Which is so bad, bro. Incredible. Just really bad. Let's get this guy a tic tac or something. Yeah, man. Or a box or a tanker truck full of them. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but one interesting thing that I saw was kind of a departure from other monsters that we talked about is that the origin of how a basilisk is created and can be created is actually pretty well defined. Ooh. And it's said that if a cockerel believe that being like a rooster hatches the egg of a serpent or toad it will create a basilisk while if you do the reverse it will create a cockatrice oh okay so, so they are related in a way just like yeah. modern modern definition yeah the annoying thing is is that if you go through like stories about like basilisks or cockatrice they're basically like they'll say like basilisk but i think they mean cockatrice and they'll say like cockatrice, but I think they might need basilisk. Well, so that's not it's, confusing at all. Yeah, there's like no distinguishing between really the two uh, different creatures and stories and legends about them, which is why I kind of combined them in this uh, episode. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, kind of diving into the history, and we're gonna just uh, touch on the like the origin of the word a little bit. I thought it was kind of funny that the word basilisk originates from Greek. Has do a lot of words. Yeah. Uh, this being the Greek form of, it's called, I believe, Basiliskos, uh, which means yeah. little king, little prince, <laughs> chieftain, or young ruler. Very demeaning, I would feel. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> adorable. Yeah, maybe that's why the basilisk is always pissed off at everything. Uh-huh. Kill on your fields and all that. Don't call him little prince. Yeah, how dare you? Give me yeah. the respect he deserves. Yeah, man. He's a majestic king. He's not little. <laughs> um, but the basilisk has its origins all the way back in like ancient Roman times. So going back pretty dang far. Um, one of the earliest accounts of the basilisk comes from Pliny, the elder's uh, book, Natural History. Uh, oh. Props to that name, dude. I don't know if I'd choose that for myself, but <laughs> I don't know. Pliny, maybe it hit different back then. There you go. <laughs> you well, know, back sorry, in the day really, when everyone's kid was named Pliny. Mm-hmm. Really funny enough, though, uh, I also referenced Pliny in the uh, Echidna Typhon episode, I think it was. Oh, so really? This dude is like... Around. Yeah, this dude's an expert on like monsters and gods and mythical creatures. Shout out to my boy Pliny. I want to know what he was either seeing or smoking to make him see all this stuff. Well, it's said that he was a Roman naturalist and natural philosopher, so um, maybe he was, like, smoking some good stuff, man. Hear me out. What if he was just, like, the biggest fantasy writer of the time? I mean, that would be cool. Could be. (laughs) And so we were, like, taking this for, like, his word and everything, and he's just like, nope, I wrote uh, young adult books. (laughs) I was in the... (laughs) I was in the fantasy section of Barn or uh, Roman Roman whatever books a million Roman. <laughs> I mean, um, I do wonder how many of these like stories that we talk about. And, oh yeah, and it was believed that this blah 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 existed back in the day. When I wonder how many of those stories just come from people who are just writing fake stories just for the fun of it, just fiction stories, and everyone yeah, just nowadays thinks that they believed it. But back yeah. then they were like, oh yeah, this guy just. Because anyone in history that ever says anything was 100% serious and they didn't uh, have yeah. any kind of imagination. It was just, yeah. they said what they saw. Yeah, it is super hard to say. But I mean, uh, I guess he does give a pretty vivid description of it. And it, the way he talks about it almost makes it seem really lifelike. But, you know, that could just be the way you talked about like fantastical yeah. stories of the time. And like, you, you know, like he just really wants writer. to liven up his own young adult books you know yeah. he's just a really really good writer good at yeah. showing and describing it in in your mind's eye so you can picture the scene yeah but <laughs> uh he relates the basilisk to another just terrible and awful creature it's called the uh pass what a uh, name yeah it's a monstrous cow like creature who also had a killing gaze 
their friends Hi. together with their killing gaze. They can just don't have a stare other. down between the two. Yeah. Yeah. They have a staring contest, staring contest, and they both just stuck there forever. Oh, yeah. also really quick cutting cut between Pliny. He is known for writing the first, the world's first encyclopedia. So like, that's probably why he would have done both of these. Oh man. And why are that's they not cute. called encyclopedias? Oh my goodness. <laughs> too good. Oh, somebody started a petition and change that. That would be great. Need to change the name. But your boy Pliny also gave a pretty vivid description of the Basilisk. And as, in his own words, he says, it is produced in the province of Cyrene, being no more than 12 fingers in length. It has a white spot on the head, strongly resembling a sort of diadem. When it hisses, all the other serpents fly from it. And it does not advance its body like others by a succession of folds, but moves along upright and erect upon the middle. It destroys all shrubs, not only by its contact, but those even that it has breathed upon. It burns up all the grass, too, and breaks stones. So tremendous mm -hmm. is the noxious influence. Wow. It was formerly a general belief that a man... If a man was on horseback killed by one of these animals with a spear, the poison would run up the weapon and kill it. Not only the rider, but the horse as well. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, just from this description that he gave, this thing sounds small, but extremely deadly. Like, it's kind of crazy that this thing's breath can break stones. It's so bad. Seriously. And that, like, the poison cannot, can not only be killing if you're like in the general area of it but even if you're able to and you kill the then the poison of the creature will be able to somehow travel up your spear kill you and the horse you're riding mm -hmm. so you, you gotta freaking you gotta stab your spear into this creature and then pull the spear out and then throw your spear away immediately <laughs> otherwise you're dead or just yeah. let go absolutely <laughs> crazy use a javelin maybe yeah. There you go. Actually, you're really good at using those. D &D uh, yeah. Campaign. Yeah, <laughs> man. My favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, then several other people also elaborated upon the basilisk. Uh, one of those being Isidore of Seville. Uh, he elaborated on the basilisk, calling it the king of snakes because of its killing gaze and poisonous breath. Uh, the venerable bead was the first to attest to the legend of the birth of a basilisk from the egg by an old cockerel, that again being like a rooster. So mm, cool. here we see like throughout the ages and into kind of like the medieval period, uh, the legend of the basilisk is just getting like elaborated upon and is like changing into something else completely different. Because from right. that original description by Pliny, you could maybe think of the way that he describes it like and that it like the snake is like uh, standing up almost and that it's not really that long, but it has like a super powerful poison. You could think of it maybe almost as like a, a telling of like a cobra, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that maybe that's what he's referencing. But as the story goes on, like most stories, it gets elaborated and so to speak, the fish gets the bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Of course. Um, and the legend of the basilisk continued to terrify people throughout medieval Europe. Its description started to take on some of the rooster's aspects. I would kind of owe that mostly to like uh, how people started to describe its birth from the egg of an old cockerel, mm -hmm. a rooster. And then it kind of morphed more into what we know as like a cockatrice. Gotcha. Um, many of these tales also successively added to its deadly capabilities. So in like some stories, it could even breathe fire. Yeah. Or it could kill you simply by the sound of its voice. That's cheating. Yeah. You need at least eye contact, dude. Come on. You can't just start <laughs> screaming and kill everything in a <laughs> mile radius. That's too OP, man. Get a megaphone and this thing's a nuke. Oh my gosh. And like if recordings work as well. Oh, no, now you got the ring. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I wonder if by saying the sound of its voice, if it actually like spoke like a... Like a uh, curse or something? Or maybe it just like could even communicate with you. That's crazy. 
you know what cockatrices right, yeah, just talking yeah. you up and then just screams at you when you die mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe they're just really depressing and so they just cause people to be so depressed <laughs> you know what let's just end it together cockatrice you and me oh man that's so sad though it's no. so sad <laughs> or since he's in harry potter he just runs around yelling like avada kadava everywhere but they no, don't brad eh? the forbidden curse man Why oh my bad I'm just a muggle, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't work. But um, to kind of reiterate some of uh, the Basilisk's abilities and weaknesses, its main strength is obviously its extremely venomous nature. Um, in some accounts, it would leave a trail of deadly venom where it slithered, and it had the OP ability to kill with the, just the glare. Nice. That's pretty broken. But I also remember you, Brad, uh, referencing that picture that I have that up there. It's a pretty funny picture, actually. It's just like a little weasel chasing around like the a cockatrice or a basilisk. Please tell is, me that that's like their weakness. one weakness. Yeah, their weakness is weasels. Well, you are in luck today. Yeah. Because um, its main weakness, as of legend, is being that uh, it is said that the weasel particularly would eat rue which is a evergreen shrub that bore an obnoxious fragrance and was said to thwart plague and infection but because it ate this rue it was immune to the basilisk venom and would then chase and kill the basilisk in its lair that's so what if humans ate yeah would they be safe from a basilisk um we die because we're not i don't know like i Logic would say yes, but I don't know if you can actually eat rue and be okay. It could be poisonous or something. Yeah. Um, But I also think it's interesting that uh, I think it was actually Leonardo da Vinci that also elaborated upon the basilisk. And he said that uh, that the weasel actually kills the basilisk in its lair by, like, urinating. And like the smell of it, like kills them both, <laughs> which is just crazy, man. Like actually, what? But uh, in some other like minor legends, it's said that if a basilisk would gaze into a mare, it would kill itself, or if it heard a rooster's crow, it would die as well. So, um, the rooster's crow, particularly, I guess, if you can coax a rooster to crow on command then that seems like a pretty dang good defense against a uh, basilisk. That or I was uh, I looked it up real quick. Apparently, rue is edible. It mm-hmm. will not kill you. And apparently, there's some people that even put it in salads like purposefully. But mm. I think it's got a pretty bitter taste, so it doesn't sound like it's that great. Um, well, I mean, if it protects you from basilisk venom, dude. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> right? maybe Give me a plateful. Though they do say... Maybe you shouldn't get a full plateful because it is recommended not to eat it in large quantities because it is slightly toxic. And so if you <laughs> eat it in large quantities, then you start to get into a sick oh, or even that's die. That's so weird, man. Why would you so, even put that amount. in your salad? Don't eat too small much salad, honey. <laughs> this salad is bad for you. That's crazy, man. Like, actually, but, what? So, yeah, just start eating rue and you'll be safe. You and the weasels both. Yeah, let's hope that there's not like some type of critical mass of rue that you have uh-huh. to eat, and then you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I also found it like super uh, interesting is all of the different myths around like the basilisk and cockatrice because there are some very uh, vivid and maybe far out stories oh, of this far monster. Out. Yeah. Um. Interestingly enough, in like ancient times, the legend of the basilisk was considered very real. And the basilisk itself could even like be thought of as like a very real and present threat to like just people and like that. And so much so, it was almost like a cryptid, really, which I thought was really interesting, kind of going back to like what is a cryptid? I would say, at least anciently that the basilisk really was. Totally makes sense, yeah. The original cryptid. Probably not the original, but an oldie for sure. Which one's older, the basilisk or Bigfoot? 
when did bigfoot originate mm, no we'll have to save that for our bigfoot episode man yeah there mm. we go yeah but as uh such this being a very old uh monster there are many myths um it's believed that the as the Romans said that the Sahara had been a lush, fertile land until an infestation of basilisks withered away the plant life, creating a desert. Oh, so that's cool. That yeah. is, I wonder if that was like hundreds of basilisks, or it was maybe right. just like three, and they really just got to work, you know? Because <laughs> the Sahara is like a pretty huge. massive desert. Well, well it's also continuing to get bigger, so... It's like true. At the time of writing, it might not have been. It's still probably pretty sizable. But this is that's a good point, though. In twelve o two in Vienna, it was reported that there was an outbreak of fainting fits, and these were traced back to a basilisk that had taken residence in a well. But as they like kind of banded a party together to go and hunt this basilisk, and they found it, they found out that it was already dead. So. Ew. Do you think yeah. it, was, it was actually just because a bunch of people were drinking water? Contaminated like water? Paying in it? Yeah. Yeah, like they just pull like some type of weird, uh, mushy creature out of the well that had been rotting there for like weeks. And they're like, <laughs> they're it's like, a ah, basilisk. It was yeah. killing us the entire time. It's like, eh, I mean, it's been dead for. Yeah. But I mean, as we go through like some of these stories, it's weird, like the type of like things that get pinned upon the basilisk and it seems like if there's like some type of weird contagion or plague going on that people are like oh dude basilisk and it's just getting blamed for everything yeah man it's very unfair (laughs) uh even one such like particular instance of this is according to the exhortations of julius scaliger in the ninth century a basilisk concealed itself under an arch by the temple of lucia in rome the monster's odor then caused a devastating plague, but the creature was eventually killed by the Pope through his prayers. So, go Pope, I guess. That, Saving the city. That is like, such an arbitrary story. Why is the basilisk being blamed for this? Nobody even saw one. For As far as they know, it was never there. It literally just went away, and the Pope was like, I prayed, man. I killed the basilisk. <laughs> That's yeah. So good. Just like it's so crazy. Random sickness happened. Somebody prayed and said that they killed one. Everyone's like, "Must be true." There's no Must way to prove true. otherwise. Must have been a basilisk. No other explanation. Um, and then also at the royal castle at Copenhagen in 1651, it is said that a servant observed an old cockerel in the act of laying, which is oh. strange, seeing as roosters don't lay eggs. Yeah. The Danish king of the time, Frederick III, ordered its egg retrieved and closely watched. But, no surprise to at least us, after several days, no basilisk had emerged. I'm sure they were very disappointed. I'm sure. <laughs> they just grabbed a random egg and were like, this one's the one. Yeah, man, they're like, why isn't a basilisk coming out of it? <laughs> so it's just a chicken egg, man. <laughs> Um, interestingly enough, though, the egg was then placed in the Royal Cabinet of Curiosities. I didn't even know they had that cabinet, but I'd love to know what else was in it. I wonder if it's still there. Do they still yeah. have this like, old, like, petrified egg? And they're like, that could have been a basilisk. It wasn't, but maybe it was. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe it just got too smelly and they had to throw uh-huh. it away. Because heavens knows it would have gotten Oh yeah. Rank. In a parallel universe, that was a basilisk egg. That's oh, it. Man. But uh, as for stories that are just so extra, I found this one to be just absolutely crazy. Uh, a story by a man named E.P. Evans in his massive compilation, The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals, <laughs> notes from legal rep, uh, records and Basel, Switzerland, in 1474, an old cock was discovered laying an egg. The bird was captured, tried, convicted of an unnatural act, and subsequently burned alive before a 
very large crowd. I believe it was thousands of people. Oh my Wait, goodness. so so animals can commit crime now? Yes. There's animal jail. You've heard of Animal Farm, but now there's Animal Jail. <laughs> That's this is so weird. It's so crazy. And the people were just in an absolute hysteria, it sounds like. Because just sounds before like this it. execution, the rooster was cut open and several other eggs were discovered in various stages of development. So man. That really stopped an outbreak of basilisks, obviously. Jeez. People are monsters. They just killed a chicken for nothing. And burned it alive, man. Like, burned geez. it at the stake like a witch. It's was there, crazy. Like, a jury, a jury that was like, kill the chicken. No. <laughs> Said it was tried and convicted, so yeah. That's awesome. But I was mean, it awful, convicted in terrible. a trial of its peers? I feel like it needs a retrial because I doubt a trial of its peers convicted it. That doesn't feel like that. I bet all of the other chickens and uh, roosters denied their uh, jury duty, so they just had <laughs> to. They're like, oh, I don't want to touch that case with a 10-foot pole. No way. Yeah. If I start I'm... to convict him, then what's next? Then somebody will convict me. It's a circle, and next I know, I'm getting burned at the stake. It's a slippery so. slope, man. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Just imagine getting like jury duty and being like, you must report to the courthouse to convict a bird of unnatural <laughs> acts. You're like, yeah, really? This bird laid an egg, and it is clearly a witch. We must burn it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's so freaking insane. But uh, one possible theory I did find for all of these odd instances of old roosters laying eggs, uh, the there is a theory that this could be actually very grounded in reality. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, Jacqueline Simpson's uh, British dragons, it is postulated that the rooster roosters are actually hens suffering from a hormone imbalance causing them to develop male features such as growing a comb, taking to uh, crowing, fighting off cocks, and trying to tread uh, on other hens. So she would still lay eggs, but these legs would be of course infertile. So really... When people are like, oh, it's so weird that these roosters are laying eggs. It's really just like a hen with like a hormone imbalance that looks like a rooster. So have have there been have there been like tests to see if that's like a thing? Um, I I think it is actual like phenomenon that can go on. Huh. And just I mean, like, of course, if we were to go I mean, back in time, we could know for sure. But well, I mean, I believe it, no especially now the fact that. There are like a trillion chickens or more chickens in the world at yeah, a time. Absolutely, gotta have your Tyson chicken nuggies, man. Hey, yeah, you know it. Nothing will get me through the day better than some good old chicky nuggies. <laughs> uh, perhaps one of the greatest and most famous myths of the basilisk is the strange tale of the Warsaw basilisk. Mm. Um, and this tale. Uh, there is a daughter of a knife merchant named uh, Macropeus, something like that. Nice. And his daughter had gone missing with one other girl. And this knife merchant's wife, along with a nursemaid, went looking for them. She then found them in the basement of the house that had been abandoned for 30 years. I believe when she found them that they appeared like unresponsive. They shouted so much that their voices got hoarse. And after they saw that this was like going on to no avail, uh, the nursemaid went into the cellar while the wife went to go get help. That's a brave nursemaid. Yeah, absolutely. I, down there. I think in the story, they actually like particularly say that the uh, wife was particularly wise in going to get help. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's not a brave nursemaid. Maybe it's a dumb nursemaid. I don't know. Hard to say. But yeah. after an emergency meeting in the town, it was concluded by a former chief physician of the town that they were, in fact, facing a basilisk. Hmm. Um, and the, the bodies were then pulled from the cellar with long poles that had iron hooks. So, like, nobody else really wanted to go in there. They just mm-hmm. did everything, everything they could to uh, rescue these people, or as they thought. But unfortunately, they were too late and the bodies of 
These girls, and I imagine the nursemaid, were in a dreadful state. They had extremely swollen and discovered discolored skin, and their eyes protruded from the, their sockets like the halves of hen's eggs, which what is a just very gruesome, very sad. Yeah. Uh, they then concluded that in order to kill the basilisk, a man must go into the cellar armed with a rake, nice. wearing a dress of leather covered in mirrors, to grab the basilisk and bring it to the light of the day. Because as they believed, uh, if a ba- if the basilisk was to be brought into the light of day, its poison would have less effect and it would be like depowered. Mm. It's and like a so, vampire. Yeah, basically. And so after finding no volunteers, obviously, because everybody was like, I ain't doing it, man. That's a basilisk down there. You see what happened to those people? That's rough. But they then persuaded a robber on death row to go do it. And actually, he was successful. And he came out of the cellar, gripping the writhing basilisk by the neck. My hero. If I was that guy, if I was that uh, robber, I would have bargained for like hey you know what i'll go and do this but if i survive charges are dropped i'm free to go because i'm most likely gonna die down there <laughs> oh i think they actually did like that's, that was that's the contingency because i'm like yeah it's kind of rude if you're gonna put him on death row send him down to fight a basilisk and then he comes back up and you're like all right get the gallows thanks for saving us but time to die yeah i don't that, think that he'd do that he'd be like cruel. you guys can screw off man i'm not Seriously. fighting your battle but I don't think it's particularly elaborated what happened at the after like the mm-hmm. uh, basilisk came out of the cellar. But I can only assume dreadful things became of this basilisk. Yes, yeah, I mean theoretically, unless it just decided to eat the entire town, which that sounds like quite a feat. Well, it doesn't actually sound very sp- or uh, big, right? If you can yeah, carry it by the true. neck, mm-hmm. unless that was the most like jacked robber ever <laughs> man he's just carrying this like 500 pound like chicken uh-huh. snake monstrosity out and not getting bit by that that's amazing that was Dwayne the rock johnson in, a, in another life when he was a robber <laughs> oh man that Back was one of his uh that was one of his epic feats besides uh-huh. being hercules and flexing uh-huh. so hard that it breaks off his cast what a legend it's it's He's going through the, all the trials of Hercules to really prove that he is the one true Hercules. One of his feats was having to break a cast, and this one was having to fight a basilisk. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess if I was Zeus, I'd be impressed. Yeah, I would be. So, yeah. But now we get on to the good stuff. All right. We're going I know to that, the episode. Yeah, I know that we're all massive Harry Potter fans. I would say I'm one of the biggest I know. I'm I'm not. (laughs) I don't know very many Harry Potter fans. I do. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, Harry Potter lore. Like, I I like the movies. I read the books. They're all great. Um, Some of the the post-movie, like, content that's been created, not too too much a fan of, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, same with me as far as like what you've done. I've read the books a couple times all the way through and watched all the movies, but uh, I'm not like an encyclopedia. You're not like, wearing like Harry I, Potter underwear right uh, now? I don't. I have, I think, a Slytherin shirt, even though it's weird because the test told me I was in Hufflepuff, but I have a Slytherin shirt. So that's no, that's you're Slytherin. Join the Slytherin. No, no thanks. I, one I like of us. Hufflepuffs. One of us. <laughs> I have Cedric you're Diggory way... on my side, so. Oh man, yeah. you're way more of a Harry Potter fan than I am, apparently. If you own merch, <laughs> I um, own. I don't think I bought it though, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> but, never mind. So, anyways, the reason the you reason stole we stole Harry no, Potter merch. No, it's I got it my it's the, like Christmas. That's the only other. But uh, enough about houses and stuff. Let's talk about this basilisk. What oh, house man. is the basilisk in? Is my question. Do you even need to ask? (laughs) He's literally slithering around. Excuse me, that's pretty presumptuous. Just because he's a snake doesn't mean he's slithering. Let's put him to the test. Oh, right. He's He's a Gryffindor. Yeah. That's why only the sword of Gryffindor could kill him. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. 
when I was researching, particularly the Harry Potter section of this, I actually was pretty intrigued by a fair amount of the lore. So we'll be getting into a little bit of that. And so, if you've been living under a rock, uh, mm -hmm. the Basilisk is from specifically book slash movie two, this being the Chamber of Secrets. And just so and... you know, Harry Potter is a uh, is a <laughs> world where there's magic. Yeah, he's a he's a wizard, and there's other just wizards. Just because you've really been under a rock. He said living under a rock, not in another universe. Oh, right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but as I touched upon before, this version of the Basilisk uh, does not have like eight or six legs and is not like a chicken-snake hybrid. This one is just plain old massive serpent. You know, um, everyday average giant serpent. Well, I mean, every like uh, fantasy has like a giant serpent, right? I mean, it's, you're it's not like wrong. a checklist, you know? <laughs> Um, well, it's kind of interesting to me that like Harry Potter took this direction because like from everything that we've heard, like it's kind of not in my opinion what like what you'd be expecting, uh -huh. and like why this turn when like I don't know if you're going to talk about it later. I haven't scrolled all the way down on your notes, but uh, in D and D at least like it has legs, right? It's more closely, mm -hmm. well, it's not closely associated to being a chicken <laughs> at all. But like, which what a shame. Yeah. It is kind of a weird departure in that, like, I think a lot of the other Harry Potter, like, monsters that we talked about, like, whether that's uh, Chilins, or I think we covered one other one. I think you did Randy, and you brought up Harry Potter briefly. But besides that, like, is that they generally stay actually pretty true to, like, the base lore, but this one is kind of like an odd departure and it's yeah, just I mean, like, like right, hip, hippogriffs are pretty accurate in harry potter yeah Phoenix uh -huh. is pretty accurate yeah that's true um, mm -hmm. yeah that's just a, dragons just a, i guess just it's just an interesting departure i'm not saying they're wrong because like yeah. i guess I there mean, are a couple stories to me that do kind of give off this this vibe but yeah i i mean like Maybe a little bit of like a boring rendition, but I think it's yeah. it's iconic nonetheless, For extremely. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But these massive serpents can grow up to fifty feet in length, and they had tough armored scales similar to a dragon, and had sickening yellow eyes. Um, interestingly enough, Basilus could li naturally live at least nine hundred years, but Salazar Slytherin, your boy, and um. Uh, famous uh killer of muggles uh lived for about 1000 ish years and this was done by using parcel tongue to put it into a deep sleep a kind of suspended animation yo this guy figured out cryo sleep using magic yeah. that's cool it's freaking crazy <laughs> and that's also kind of like a weird thing about uh basilisks is that uh, normally they can't be controlled in like any way. They're just like unruly. They'll kill whoever they want and they're very mm -hmm. dangerous to be around. But if you have like the skill of like being a parcel mouth, um, you can control them. It seems like even beyond like their own will. I don't know if it's like coaxing them into doing something or if it's just like commanding them. I think it's more like commanding them. But also... Like, only specific people with, like, parcel tongue can uh, command, like, specific basilisks. I don't know if they choose that or not. Like, for example, in the Chamber of Secrets, Harry could not command the basilisk at all. He couldn't make it do anything. He couldn't make it stop attacking him. But at the same time, Tom Riddle could. He could tell it to do whatever he wanted. He could go tell it to, like, kill, like, muggle-born students or something like that. And so, interesting kind of, like, distinction. Yeah. What a shame. That would have been a fun ending to the series if Harry Potter had just started just commanding the Basilisk to go after Voldemort. Man, the, uh, the attack on Hogwarts and the final movie would be so different. Right? Freaking right. Basilisk comes crashing out of the front of the castle and just starts well, coming like, after all the Dark Eater, Death Eaters. Like, uh, Voldemort's got Nagini, right? That's his name. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And, like, that's, a, like, a baby snake compared to this guy so. yeah yeah man but why didn't you make this one of your horcruxes dude seriously the basilisk just eats nagini in one bite i i guess a 50 foot snake is kind of harder to carry around though yeah but it's also harder to kill 
That is true. But at the same time, it seems like Harry didn't have too much trouble. Yeah, he was, what, like 12 at the time? So uh, a 12-year-old kid can kill it. uh... Uh, Because a freaking magical phoenix came in at the last second, swooped in, dropped a magical hat that was able to give him a magical sword that was able to magically (laughs) kill the the thing. There was a lot of ex machina to save him in that scene. Wait, you don't have like a phoenix on speed dial, man? No, I don't. I don't have someone like Dumbledore on speed dial. I'd... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's the biggest thing is everyone needs to know Dumbledore to save themselves from a possible oh, basilisk. Oh, man. You think the Gryffindor sword was just like a, a standard, like uh wizarding school sword to kill basilisks? Right. <laughs> they just kept it just in case basilisk attacked. Break in case of basilisk, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, basilisks were usually bred by dark wizards, and the first wizard to breed a basilisk was Herpo the Fowl. You guys ever heard of this fellow? No. Um, It was actually kind of interesting. Like, this was like a really kind of... I didn't dive too deep into it, because I don't know if I could uh, survive that. But (laughs) um, Herpo the Fowl is like... He seems like kind of one of the OG, like, dark wizards. Hmm. And that he was, like, all the way back in, like, ancient Greece. And he was actually, I think, the first person to create a horcrux. So Dude, this is Voldemort. Wow. Voldemort was Voldemort. Yeah, basically. And um, also, uh, you remember those, like, chocolate frog, like, cards of, like... Yeah. yeah. Like, they had, like, the trading cards with, like, the famous wizards on them. Um, was her- there a trading card of him? Yeah, there was, which is surprising That's considering he was probably a pretty terrible person. Yeah, yeah. It's like having Ted Bundy on your Snickers bar wrapper, man. I don't <laughs> no, know. I got the Ted Bundy one. Sick. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This just seems like a weird connection, but I mean, it's kind of cool. Laura, I guess. Um, and so Herpa the Fowl uh, hatched a basilisk by the classic method of hatching a chicken egg beneath a toad. Oh, totally. Classic. That's how I get all my pet basilisks. Yeah. Um, And then Salazar Slytherin then also constructed the Chamber of Secrets to house a basilisk that only he and his heirs could control for the purpose of using it to rid the school of muggle-born students. Oh, Salazar. Yeah, man. I love it. I mean, mean, it's just so awful. That totally makes... I don't know what it is. Like all like the whole like pure blood stuff is literally just oh, like I hated it. Harry Potter version of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Basically. I mean like you could think of like the Death Eaters of that, right? Yeah. I don't know. But uh obviously the practice of breeding basilisks is strictly forbidden as they are classified as I believe like uh class five creature, I think. And this is because they are known wizard killers. And that's because, like we said before, is that basilisks cannot be controlled. So they're equally dangerous to the people that breed them as the well as just any regular like citizen or any other wizard. So dragons are okay, but basilisks aren't? I know, man. I don't what know. Are maybe, maybe, hey, you're, you're in your, you're in your, what is it, like your sixth year. Um, and so you are allowed to fight dragons during this tournament that we have. Yeah. go into this deadly maze and like fight like mermaids and stuff but no i'm sorry absolutely no basilisks, basilisks are too far i guess mm-hmm. like um it put a real end to the competition if like you accidentally looked it in the eyes and then you just died <laughs> that'd be kind of anticlimactic right yeah. <laughs> um but i do think it's interesting is maybe one of the reasons why they're so forbidden is because they're so easy to create you know i mean like everybody has a toad Everybody can get, like, a chicken egg. You know, it's not hard. So I'm actually surprised that basilisks aren't, like, just this massive, huge, uncontrollable problem in the wizarding world, you know? But is the creation of a common knowledge in the wizarding world, or is it kind of, like, kept hush? I mean, I can't say that for sure. I don't see how they could keep that a secret. Yeah, but I imagine, like, among, like, dark wizards, you know, like, Diagon Alley, there's got to be, like... You'd be like, hey, yo, how you make a basilisk? And dude's like, oh, That's it's true. real easy, you know? And so, like, I know that uh, actually during, I think, just after Herpo the Fowl's time, 
like whatever was the like wizarding police where mm-hmm. like checking all the chicken coops looking for like hatching basilisks that's kind of weird it's pretty easy to like avoid that because you just take the egg out from under the toad and it's just regular chicken egg so true you know pretty hard um but the abilities of the basilisks are pretty similar to what we've already been talking about and that if you look at look at it in its eyes it'll kill you dead it will even like melt the lens and film of a camera if you look at it or take a picture of it but if you look at a basilisk uh through like maybe a ghost or a camera or in the back of a mirror you'll just be petrified nice so it's not too bad not fully um, yeah but uh harry potter also elaborated upon like the basilisk venom and they said that it would like kill in minutes and if you can remember uh harry got bit by the basilisk while stabbing it and yeah. conveniently the only cure to basilisk venom is phoenix tears what are the chances yeah so hope you got a phoenix near you that's uh, been watching some like soap soap operas or <laughs> something um it's also like one of the only things able to destroy horcrux and it can destroy like also other inanimate objects pretty aggressively so whether to where they're not able to be repaired at all and true to the legends the only thing that a basilisk fears is the crowing of a rooster which is fatal to it which begs the question harry you yeah, should have just brought a rooster with you into the Chamber of Secrets. You had a you had a phoenix on demand, but not a not a chicken. Can you imagine how different that movie would be if the Sorting Hat just came like a rooster? <laughs> this this is just further proof that Dumbledore didn't actually care all that much about Harry. And it's like because I feel like if Dumbledore really wanted Harry to win, hey, take a rooster down and that'll solve the problem. You'll be good. But mm-hmm. he was like, I mean, I guess I'll give him a sword and like make it at least somewhat of a chance. Yeah. Dumbledore did not actually care. Yeah, wasn't actually looking up for him. Mm-mm. But uh, I know Brad mentioned this earlier that in D&D, the Basilisk is a pretty prevalent creature. Um, it's basically what the direct, like, cl- classic version of basilisk is it has like eight legs it's reptilian it's they describe it as like a medium-sized monstrosity it's unaligned it has like all these spines on it and has like glowing eyes to like paralyze you with and it's not the most lethal of creatures though thankfully so if you come across one in your game unlike a lot of the other D creatures we've been talking about it will not kill you like instantly or like boil your blood or like steal all your bones. So as long as you don't look into its eyes, you're probably pretty fine. It's also pretty stupid. A 1v1 between this and a Tarrasque is not going to be very eventful. <laughs> um, it actually might be kind of fun to watch because they actually both have shockingly low intelligence scores. That's true. Because <laughs> I think the Tarrasque had like one and the well, Basilisk but- has... Too. Um, oh, this guy's so, genius. I was well, so I, I was doing some more research after that Tarasque episode, and uh, just a raven in D anD D has like an intelligence score of like two, mm-hmm. but if you look at a raven in real life, like they are like one of the smartest birds, and like can be very very intelligent. Um, and so like it's just a different type of intelligence when you get to like sure. non humans. Um, and so, like, we we're joking out they're like really stupid or whatever, but like in reality, they're not. Whoa, just, whoa, like, whoa! Like, also, I'm just Tarrasque has an intelligence of three. Let's not undersell. Well, so the thing. Oh, That's what I'm saying. Bad. Like, if if a raven is if a raven is two, um, well, Tarrasque is a genius compared to is a whole bit more. <laughs> it's just it's just like a different kind of intelligence than what we are. Yeah, thinking and talking about when we say intelligence, just to def- just to defend my basilisk boy. I, I guess yeah. also when you compare it to like, say, your wizard character, right? Exactly. Your wizard character has like studied through ancient archives and has like this right. huge repertoire of like spells, and that's like his whole thing. Whereas the basilisk, it's just it's like just a, trying, it's you know? a creature. It's yeah. just trying to really just trying to get a meal and maybe have a family, like most other. 
uh, wild creatures. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's really has only what it needs, which is like a typical bite attack and a petrifying gaze, and that's enough for it. I and mean, it's content with that. So. So the basilisk yeah. is not going to be doing any kind of like long form division or like quadratic <laughs> equations or anything like that. I think he's going to hold off his um his resume from Harvard. You what know, is I, think he, I think he's good. But then if he got accepted to Harvard, his intelligence would be so much higher. <laughs> but Can you if, imagine a if smart I athlete? just had to stare at people and they die, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't need an education. Yeah, I don't you know. You wouldn't be allowed to have an education. You'd be in a <laughs> That's prison. True. That's true. I don't know. You'd probably be like Cyclops from X Men, right? You got to wear these like cool glasses and you press yeah. a button, and then like. Pfizer comes up and everybody dies around you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, there's also some like other minor references. Like there are basilisks in Magic: The Gathering. They're not all that like super impressive. I mean, like they're oh. kind of typically what you think. You think Magic goes along with like the six or eight legged form, and they have like Death Touch, which is an ability to like instantly kill. Uh, any creature they deal damage to, which yeah, it just makes sense. It just um, yeah. it just works. It does. It just works, and it works really well. Unless you yeah. have like indestructible, you know, ah. where like and regenerate, then it doesn't. But uh, to end this off with one final fact, there is actually a species of r- lizard named basilisk, and it supposedly resembles the mythical creature. They look pretty cool. They have like the the frills, almost like a dinosaur, and like the yeah, frilled, like crested thing. And uh, hilariously enough, they also have the nickname of the Jesus Christ lizard. I love that. And this is for their ability to run on the surface of water. So if you've yes. seen those like lizards and nature shows, those are basilisks. And they also they also when they run on water, don't they stand like up? Yeah, they run on just their back so. feet. Yeah, because yeah. it's their tail that keeps them above the water. Because it's like slithers mm-hmm. on the water. Because they gotta, they gotta run real fast. They gotta go fast, man. Gotta go fast. Yeah, but uh, this has been our monster for this week: the basilisk and cockatrice. And so, man, it was a joy going through. It was like, fun because you never, you never like go into it thinking you're gonna like learn much. Because yeah. I mean, because you're like. Oh yeah, I know a little bit about this creature, and then you're like, mm-hmm. I know nothing about this creature. Yeah, I know I like, I've seen Harry Potter. Yeah, basically, I was God. like, oh, it's just a big snake. It's like yeah. it'll be cool to study, but no, they have like a really neat history and all these wacky legends, man, yeah, from real seriously. life. And I mean, touching upon Harry Potter as well is that like that was really fun going through like their lore and, um just seeing like that rendition and how like they're able to once again kind of uh, almost like transmute those uh mythical characteristics from the real life myth into its own like uh in-universe form and then D&D and Magic the Gathering do like interesting versions of those as well yeah and we learned about a brand new wizard too Herpo the Fowl oh man i don't think he's uh, leaving this podcast anytime soon. No. Didn't know or need to know that he existed. Now I do. Herpo the Fowl. And you know he's what scary. Snake staff, just like Jafar from Aladdin. Oh. Yeah. Does he want to become a genie as well? I bet he would. Wait, I bet if he could, he would. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, thank you all once again for listening to our podcast. Yeah, um, absolutely. As we said before, we just really enjoy like all of you guys that uh, listen every week. And thank you so much for doing that. And uh, share this with a friend if you yeah. know that they're like uh, interested in Harry Potter. Maybe they'd like to learn more about like the origins of the Basilisk. Or if uh, maybe they just are super interested in like reptiles. Basilisk or maybe just cool. like us. We have great personalities. Yeah, that too. And we have an awesome TikTok that is not cringy in the slightest. Not at 100% all. no cringe. Yep, we are strictly uh, uh, against cringe. <laughs> and thanks for sharing if, you've, if you have shared or if you are looking to share with anyone. We appreciate that too. Yes, huge thanks. One of thanks. the ways that we uh, 
that people uh, learn to about podcasts or anything like that nowadays is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways to spread things around. So it's very true. And don't be selfish with your podcast. You know, if you yeah. got a good one, let somebody <laughs> else know so that they can. Don't uh, be selfish. <laughs> they can mindlessly work away and half listen to us. We appreciate that greatly. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we will catch you guys next week. Have a good one.